Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. chapter 17 you know I some, a lot of times when the Lord gives me a sermon it, it kind of comes in bits and pieces and I kind of think of it and when I'm talking to young ministers kind of describe it like a crock pot <laughs> you just keep throwing little bits in there throwing it in, throwing it in and after it cooks for a while, uh, it all comes together into something good. And then there's other times where I just don't really know what's going to happen. I just feel a direction and launch into it. But there are other times, and like yesterday, and my wife being sick, and so I was preparing a delicious lunch. And as I was driving back from Wendy's with it, um, between here and Wendy's in the church parking lot, the Lord gave it to me in its entirety. And uh, I ran in and I grabbed the first thing I could find. It's a greeting card from someone and wrote it down. And uh, I tried to add to it this morning, but I couldn't find anything to add. I just felt that it was it. I just wrote down a few of the scripture references because uh, while I quote scripture very well, I'm very poor at remembering the chapter and the verse in which it's located. And um, so that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Acts chapter 17 and verse 27. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. I'll read that again that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us I want to talk to you this morning on the subject the gap between the gap between will you lift your voices with me one more time Jesus we worship you oh Lord we love you Jesus Lord, we magnify your great name. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. There was a Greek philosopher named Zeno. And um, he was quite influential. In fact, his followers are known as the Stoics. And uh, Stoicism is 
still a part of our world today. Paul, in Acts 17, where we just read, was combating these men, these men known as Stoics, who were followers and disciples of the philosophical point of view of the man named Zeno. And Zeno is most famous for his theory is just simply called Zeno's paradox. And uh, this was quite a thing for Greek philosophers to come up with a thought and just to think of something impossible. And it would be discussed. And that was what was going on in Mars Hill. And it was thoughts like this principle of Zeno's paradox. Zeno's paradox says that if I'm going to travel from this speaker to this speaker, that first, before I can get there, I have to travel half the distance. And now once I've traveled half the distance from this speaker to that speaker, I must travel half the distance again. And now that I'm closer, I must still travel further another half of the distance and so on and so on and so on and until you're an inch away. And when you're an inch away, you still have to travel that half the distance to get there. And so that one inch becomes half an inch and a quarter of an inch and an eighth and a sixteenth and a thirty-second and a sixty-fourth and a hundred and twenty-eighth and two hundred and fifty-six and five hundred and sixteen, one thousand twenty-eight. 2064, something like that. It's hard to do that much math in your head at once. But the paradox is this, that if I want to get to Harold, I can never actually get to him because no matter how hard I try, I'm still only halfway there. It doesn't matter if I started a million miles away or just a few feet away. No matter how hard I try, I can never bridge the gap between me and him. I'm always no closer than halfway there. This is the great paradox given to us by Zeno. It lives alive today. As there's so many people that think, well, if there is a God... We'll never know him. And then even if we know there is a God, we can never really know him. We don't know if he's there. And if he is there, we'll never really know him. And he could really never know us. But I'm so glad to tell you this morning that the Bible lets me know the very hairs on my head are numbered. Let me tell you, that's a lot of work for a guy like me. They fall out quick. Not only are the very hairs on my head numbered, but Paul let us know that in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being. And if you would just reach out to him, he's not very far away at all. Oh, I don't know what kind of man Zeno was whether he was good or bad, because the devil can use good people just as easy as he can use bad people. But this thought, this paradox, is a plague upon mankind's soul. This thought that we can never really get to where we want to go. 
and starts with little things. It sounds so good. Take one step toward God. He'll take 10 toward you. Because I tell you, that's a lie. A man had two sons. He was prosperous, had a good farm, good house. The inheritance laws of the day dictated that the older son would get a double portion. So if you do the math, it's pretty easy. The youngest son got a third. The oldest son got two-thirds. It was still a really good deal. Yeah, the older brother would get the farm and the land, but the younger one got the money and not the responsibility. Time comes and the younger one, he's sick of waiting for daddy to die. He keeps eating them vitamins. He's healthy as a horse. He knows it's going to be a long time before he ever gets to go the way he wants to go. So one day he tells his dad, said, I'm tired of the farm. I'm tired of the the going through the motions, I'm tired of the same thing day in and day out. I want you to give me my inheritance now. Just cash it out, got dad. We don't know how long the argument went on for, but eventually the father releases. He must have been pretty well to do to have a third of all of his property's value liquidated already. Did you ever think about those little aspects? You know, farms never been cheap. Equipment's never been cheap, whether it was an ox or a John Deere. He was a very wealthy father, and the inheritance was large. And the younger son that we just simply call the prodigal takes his inheritance. And he can't get away far enough, fast enough. He goes to a far country. He buys nice clothes and buys nice friends. They seem nice. It's amazing what money will buy. It doesn't buy happiness, but it buys a very close facsimile. He had the nice new chariot, the latest model. Champion horses. Designer clothes. Lived in a fancy house. But you know, it's just the same today as it was all those thousands of years ago. It never really satisfies. It's amazing to read about the wealthiest and the most famous people in the world as they turn to drugs and alcohol and every kind of vice because all the money and all the fame and all the power it never satisfies. It never satisfied then, it never satisfies now. And so the cars stop satisfying and the buying new clothes, it only brings the shoppers high for so long. And so one vice turns into another, and now he's gambling and now he's drinking, and it, the older brother will point out he, he's going to harlots and he's spending his money, dad's money on the worst parts of life. 
And then one day the economy takes a tank. See, we call it recession now because our society is different. Then it was famine. The rain stopped. Oh, you know, you can live off the residual rain for a while. There's wells and cisterns and lakes and ponds, but after so many years without rain, everything begins to dry up. It's the same in the spiritual. You seem to be doing pretty good for a good amount of time. Build up all this rain that you used to have, but after a while, the well starts running dry. The creek gets dry. The pond dries up. The reservoir is gone and You know, when there's no crops, the previous year's crops skyrocket. And now his money's not going so far. And he spent all that he had. He hawked the car, the chariot, I should say. He hawked the horses. He sold the house. He sold the fancy clothes. And yet there's nothing left. Until one day, he's so hungry and so desperate, he sees a farmer. Oh, he knows how to farm, but this isn't a farm like he grew up on. This is a pig farm. Not to insult all the Maleys and my uncle who like to raise pigs, but you know, you get a pig farm, like a big one. You smell it before you see it. There's nothing quite like it. I'm not exactly a country boy, but I can tell what kind of farm I'm approaching. Horse doesn't smell as bad as cow. Cow doesn't smell as bad as chicken. I think it's a draw betwixt chickens and pigs. Oh, pigs go further. You got to understand... Being around a hog as a Jew is the lowest you can go. On the big list of kosher no-nos, pig's the highest. And yet he walks up and he knocks on the farmer's door. I'm looking for work. Don't have to give me money, just give me something to eat. I got work for you. I got work for you. You can go feed them pigs out there, Jew boy. Son of Abraham, go feed my pigs. And what's left, you can eat. You think that he would have just said and walked away, but hunger does strange things to a man. The next thing he knows, he's out there and he's knee deep in the slop. Knee deep. He's slopping the pigs. I don't know if you've ever seen pig slop. It's called slop for a reason. And he's slopping them pigs. And if that's not bad enough, as he fills the trough, he gets down right next to that hog. And he starts filling his belly with the slop that the hogs were eating. We don't know how long he kept doing it. You think that'd sober you up real quick. But one day, 
day, one day, as he's kneeling next to that trough with the hog, he starts thinking about home. He said, you know, my daddy's servants don't live like this. They have more than they can eat. They got a soft bed and warm clothes and a nice roof over their head. My daddy's servants don't have it this bad. I tell you what, I'm going to go home. And I might not be worthy to be a son anymore, but I'll go home and I'll just say, Dad, I'm not worthy to be a son, but if you'll just make me a servant, I can't live like this any longer. And he picked himself up, scraped the slop off him the best he could, and he starts walking towards home. Now, Zeno would say he'd never make it home. He'd get halfway there, he'd work, and he'd get halfway again. But he'd, no matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he meant it, he was never going to get more than halfway home. The agnostic can tell you, you're never really going to know that God loves you. You're never really going to know what it's like to be whole. The voice of the devil is saying you're never going to be what you were. The voice is saying will whisper and he'll say you're never going to be a son again. But I'm so glad to tell you when it comes to the gap between you and God, it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. Is that boy is walking down the street and I love the scripture in Luke 15 and 20. It says this. It said, while he was yet a great ways off. While he was yet a great ways off. You want me to prove take one step toward God, take, he'll take ten towards you is a lie. This is the proof that it's a lie. He said while he was a, yet a great ways off, the father saw him and took off running and ran to him and grabbed him and kissed his neck and said, my son is home. My son is home. While he was yet a great way off he didn't get real close father didn't wait till he was almost there when he was just a speck out on the horizon the father took off running towards him you see the enemy whispers and keeps us in the slop telling us how big that gap is between us and God telling us how far away it is to feel the warm embrace of the Father again. But I'm telling you this morning, that gap is not what you think it is. But Paul said happily, we might find him if we, we just feel after him because he's not far from any one of us. It doesn't just happen to those on the run, but it happens to those trying their best. My favorite story in all the Bible, you know because I preach it so much, is Peter walking on the water. I love that story. There is so much in it. I could preach on just that story the rest of my life, and I'd never get tired. You would, but I'd never get tired of it. 
is so great on so many levels. But I'll cut you the chase. They're in the middle of the storm. They're doing the best they can. They rode all night. They're not getting anywhere. Oh, Zeno strikes again. They rode all night and they're halfway there. All night long. And they're only halfway. The wind is contrary to them. And the lightning flashes and the thunder booms and the waves are overtaking the ship and they're bailing as fast as they can and they're chucking everything that they can get rid of, trying to stay afloat. And all of a sudden, in the midst of a lightning flash, someone looks out there and screams, Ah! There's someone on the water. Someone I like to think is Judas. It's a ghost. But Peter looks out. And he recognizes the way the master moves. And he hears a voice. Don't be afraid. It's just me, boys. Peter says, if it's you. Bid me come. If it's you out there, that's where I want to be. And the master says, come. And one of the greatest moments in the history of mankind, Peter walks to the edge of the boat, grabs onto the side, and steps over the rail. He grew up on that sea. He grew up in that boat. It's probably his daddy's boat. Maybe his granddaddy's boat. That boat weathered many a storm. But it wasn't getting him there anymore. He needed to be with Jesus. And so he steps out the boat. And he steps on the water. Now, I don't know how you picture it. I know the Lord had to bend the rules of the elasticity of the molecules and the attraction of that electromagnetic current going between all the molecules and he had to suspend all the laws of nature but I like to think of it like a waterbed and it was going up and it was going down and he's walking on the waves and he's getting to Jesus and he's walking there and it's going pretty good, and he's feeling pretty confident, and he's walking towards the master, and he's getting there, and he gets part way there, and there's a lightning flash again, and all of a sudden, when the lightning flashes this time, he sees the waves around him. He sees how far he is from the boat. He sees how far he is from the master, and fear comes, and when fear comes, he just sinks. Right? A picture in my mind. It's been there for I don't even know how many decades now. I, I see his hand going beneath the green water. Right before he goes under, his lips stick up. Master, help! Jesus! You've got to understand, read the story. He's still a long ways from Jesus. But it doesn't say Jesus hurried over 
It doesn't say Jesus walked to him. It just says immediately Jesus grabbed him. Immediately Jesus grabbed hold of him and pulled him back up and they walked back to the boat together. You know the enemy whispers and he lies and he deceives and he tries to convince us that there is this great gap between us and God. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning that gap is not what you think it is. If you will just lift up your hands and roll out to your God, he will reach down in the midst of your storm and pull you back out I don't know what kind of storm you are in I don't know what kind of trouble has hit your life I don't know if you're on the run from God or you're doing the best you know how but no matter what it is don't let the voice of the enemy convince you that there is some kind of gap between you and your God just reach out to the Father and he will grab hold of you David said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I run? He said, if I go into a cave in the earth, you're there. If I bury myself in the depths of the sea, you're there. If I make darkness my bed, behold, the darkness is light to you. Where can I go that you are not there? Paul said it this way. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from God if you reach out to him. There is nothing that can separate you from the master. If you just call out to him. Stand with me across this place. Lift your hands and your voices. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice with me. Oh, and I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Oh. Zeno may have been famous, but he was dumb. Because I've been places I got there. You've been places you got there. But that dumb idea of his, the spirit of it, keeps people so far from God in their own minds, in their own hearts. Because they're convinced no matter what they do, they're never really going to make it back. They're never really going to feel his touch and his presence again. But in him we live. And in him we move. And in him we have our being. Bishop Ellis, he used to come and always sing the same song over and over. 
Bishop Strange's request. When I could not go to where he was, he came to me. When I couldn't get to where Jesus was, Jesus came to me. And he'll come to you this morning. He'll come to you. All you got to do is reach out. That gap is not what you think it is. That gap is life. He's been there all along. You just got to reach out to him. Will you lift your voices with me? this place oh Jesus Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're going to gather in in a moment. But you know, Jesus isn't at the end of the aisle. He's right there next to you. You just got to reach out to him. We gather in because it's good Lucy, who we're fixing to baptize, she got the Holy Ghost standing off by herself. Brother Jack Caring died a long time ago. He got it working on the roof of the church. Joe, I think you got it in your car, in the way, or in April's car on the way home. He's not far. He's not far. Just reach out to him. Whether it's here around the altar or when you're at home, when you're all alone, he ain't far away. Just reach out to him. Lift your voices with me one more time before we gather in around this altar. Jesus, we love you. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. 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 Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. Come on. This altar's open. Why don't we gather in and worship the Lord together for a few moments? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you.